0: Well, it's time once again to head off the beaten track here on Main Street, and joining us, our guide, our tour guide once again, is Peter Rokovina. Hi, Peter. Hi, Matt. And today we're heading to a place that sounds like it might not be off the beaten track, but it is off the beaten track. That's exactly right, yes. (laughs) Matt, I I want you to imagine a Prince Edward Island, a Prince Edward Island where it's cold and stormy most of the year, with an average temperature of about four degrees. Okay. Not so hard to imagine, maybe (laughs) these days. Just a couple of months, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Imagine a Prince Edward Island where there are gale force winds a hundred days out of 365. The soil isn't red and soft and muddy, but it's craggy and volcanic. The Dominant vegetable isn't the potato, it's the cabbage. The cabbage. There's so much concern for the environment and, and a fear of mice, strangely enough, that you need a, a special permit from the government just to visit this Prince Edward Island. Uh, the <laughs> chief impediments to tourism are, are a danger from aggressive male seals and the possibility of having your boat smashed on the rocks while you're landing. And then the aggressive male seals will get all of your boats smashed. <laughs> That's exactly. trouble. Matt, well, th- th- what is this other Prince well, this, Edward Island? Th- this is the other Prince Edward Island. You might think. what I've described is something like the Bizarro Prince Edward Island. If you remember Bizarro, Superman lived in a Bizarro world where everything was was different and opposite. Well, this is the Bizarro Prince Edward Island. Uh, In fact, this is the other Prince Edward Island located in the South Indian Ocean. Really, Uh, It's 46 degrees south. We're 46 degrees north, so the bizarro uh, uh, trend is continuing here. They're called the Jewel of the Southern Ocean. We're called the Garden of the Gulf. Interesting. This other Prince Edward Island is actually it's located about 1900 kilometers off the coast of South Africa in the southern Indian Ocean, as I said. Uh, it's one of a pair of, of uh, sister islands. The other one is called Marion Island and collectively, oddly enough, they're called the Prince Edward Islands, and we'll get to the reason for that in a second. Okay. Uh, It's about 45 square kilometers in size. Marion Island, its sister, is about 290 square kilometers, so Prince Edward Island's relatively small compared to its sister. As I said, they're both craggy, they're volcanic, they're windswept, they're cold, they're rainy, actually uh, almost closer to Antarctica than they are to anywhere else. What is the history here? Who discovered the Prince Edward Islands? Well, you have to actually go... Back quite a long way. 1663, there was a Dutchman, Berent Lamb. He discovered the two islands. He was on his way to the Dutch East Indies. Uh, he named them uh, Dina, was the name for what is now Prince Edward Island. Uh, Mare Zevine, uh, named after a ship, was the, was the other one, which is now known as, uh, as Marion Island. Uh, sometime after this, actually, the Dutch tried to find the islands again, but apparently, this, this uh, Berent Lamb had made the wrong notation in his logbook. He said they were at 41 degrees south, so they couldn't find them again. Prince Edward Islands were lost. and. Uh, (laughs) Uh, And they were, in fact, given up uh, for lost by the Dutch and never looked for again. Really? Someone rediscovered them later on? Someone came along about 100 years later in 1772, and uh, this guy was a naval officer, Marion Dufresne. Uh, He was from France, and he actually named, uh, rediscovered and and renamed the islands. Uh, Prince Edward Island, what is now Prince Edward Island, was was renamed uh, De La Caverne and uh, the uh, Marion Island was named De L'Esperance. Uh-huh. So, uh, and then actually four years later, uh, explorer Captain James Cook, who's not a stranger around these parts. Actually, this is only a decade after he spent five years based in Halifax, and actually just three years before he died, he visited the islands, and uh, he's sort of credited perhaps with discovering them. We have a little bit of a bias there because he's on our side, so <laughs> to speak, but uh, he collectively renamed them the Prince Edward Islands, and uh, over about the next uh, 175 years uh, the, the Marion Island or what came to be known as the Marion Island was called so by sealers who used the area so uh, by the time 1949 rolled around South Africa came to annex the islands and so they've just perpetuated this weird system where there's one island called Prince Edward Island another island called Marion Island and together they're called the Prince Edward Islands. so the names have stuck exactly so now is it inhabited well actually Are they inhabited? Yeah, back in, in 1949 South Africa formally annexed uh, both both of the islands, they established a presence there. They have a 365-day a year uh, presence uh, in, in terms of a permanent weather office. Uh, I actually exchanged email with uh, Chris Dewett. He's the team leader of what they call Marion 57. It's the 57th South African expedition uh, expedition to the islands. Uh, this expedition is a, a motley group of about uh, 10 people. They've got meteorologists, biologists, uh, a radio technician, a diesel mechanic, a, a, a full-time medic. Uh, in fact, they've got a fully stocked hospital there. They've got a dentist chair, an x-ray machine, wow. uh, they've got telephone and internet hookups, laboratories, a gymnasium, it, it's not, certainly you, you can see pictures of it and it's not a paradise, it's a pretty rough and ready, but they're fairly well equipped to handle what comes along. So Unbelievable, and th- so this this weather office, they just monitor what's happening there throughout yeah, the day? Yeah, I, I guess the weather perhaps goes uh, th- through that way on its way to or from South Africa, uh, so there's a, a weather station monitored 24 hours a day in three shifts and then they have biologists there monitoring the seal populations, the bird populations, uh, they're doing a study the effect of, of long-line fishing on birds and and there's another researcher looking at the impact of, of uh, feral house mice on the island and we'll, we'll come back to that in, in just a second as well. But it sounds kind of isolated. Living there would be kind of lonely. Well, it is. And I, in fact, I asked Chris what what inspired him to take up such a remote posting and, and he simply said he's an outdoor fanatic. Uh, he wanted to get away from the rat race for a while and when the opportunity for a meteorologist like this uh, came up, he just jumped at the chance. So. Jeez. Now, you mentioned that sealers have been around there. Is is Do people visit this place? Is there anything going on? Well, right now, It's it's simply just this uh, meteorological station and and the occasional scientist, but uh, during my research I found a very interesting paper called The Environmental Impact Assessment of Possible Tourism on the Marion Island. This was a paper done by the uh, South African government It looked at how tourism might affect the islands. Talking about ecotourism and the, and the trend and I guess uh, just in anticipation of, of perhaps requests for this, looking at how it might affect the island, I, I actually asked Chris about the possibility of tourism and, and I got the sense, it was hard to get the sense through email, but I got the sense he was sort of smirking when he was <laughs> responding to this and suggesting that you know it's, it's a harsh and wild climate, there's not a lot of infrastructure. Uh, he suggested it, it might not be very good for what he called holiday makers. Uh, he said that if tourism did happen, it, it might be more of a... What he called a friendly outdoor laboratory for scientists, maybe a scientist vacation, if if it's anything. So uh, I, I get the sense that tourism is not going to quite to uh, amount there in that Prince of what it amounts to here. So, but it is inhabited by, as you mentioned mice. Yes. What, what, there is a mice problem here. Well, there is a mouse problem. Actually, back in 1949, when the South Africans first set up the weather station, they noticed that the island, uh, in fact, both islands were overrun to some degree by house mice. And these were house mice that, uh, I guess, had come across in the holds of, of sealing ships or whaling ships over the years. And so they thought, well, who's a a natural predator for for house mice but house cats? So from South Africa, they brought five house cats. They introduced them to the island, and uh, little did they know what they were getting themselves into. By 1977, scant 25, 30 years later, there were 3,400 house cats on Marion Island alone. From five to 3,400. Exactly, yes. So next time when I come back, we'll we'll talk about uh, that story, and we'll talk about what came to be known as the Marion Island Cat Eradication Program. (laughs) Peter, always a pleasure. I never know where you're going to take us (laughs) on off the beaten track. We'll see you in two weeks.